Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, I'm Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Our show today is about scientific proof of spiritual contact and how this awareness of spirit communication can change your life. We have on the show today, Mark Anthony with his new book, The Afterlife Frequency, which will combine physics, neuroscience, and his knowledge of spirits and spirit communication through his lifelong practice of psychic mediumship. Mark is both known as the psychic lawyer and the psychic psychic explorer who travels the world to examine ancient mysteries and supernatural phenomena. He is a fourth-generation psychic medium who is also an Oxford-educated attorney, licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. He appears nationwide on TV and radio, including CBS TV's The Doctor and Gaia TV, Beyond Belief with George Norrie. He's a co-host of The Psychic and the Doc on the Transformation Network. He's a featured speaker, very busy guy, Mark. He's a featured speaker at conferences, expos, and universities, which include Brown University, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. His newest book, The Afterlife Frequency, is available on October 5th on audiobook and October 12th in print but can be pre-ordered right now from Amazon or wherever you buy your books. The Afterlife Frequency is following his other best-selling books, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. So welcome to the show, Mark. I'm so glad to have you and your knowledge of the other side of the world. Thank you, Barb. It's great being here. I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks. And I want to start first. You are so different in the fact that you're very intellectual and you're a psychic. And in our world, those two don't often come together. And I want to know how you managed to survive with that dichotomy, with that, you know, those two sides. You were in a psychic, uh, psychic family, I believe that kind of safeguarded you a bit. It it did. You know, um, it's funny when people ask me things like that. It's like, I live with me, so I don't know any different, you know, it's, it's just, uh, that's just the way things are. And when I was about three and a half years old, I started seeing my invisible friends, which were spirits mm-hmm. and which, you know, it's not unusual for a little kid to have invisible friends, except for the fact that both my mother and father could see them as well, because both mom and dad were mediums. And what's fascinating is, talk about a dichotomy, the two sides of my family could not possibly have been more different. My dad's family was a very conservative, waspy, um, they're Pennsylvanians, but my dad, uh, who was a Navy SEAL and a NASA engineer, was a medium, as was his sister, Marjorie. He had, he had three sisters. One of them was a medium, and then his mother um, his mother, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace, um, were all mediums. And, but they were very conservative about it, and they didn't, it just wasn't discussed openly. Meanwhile, my mother's family was of Italian descent, and 
they had come over from Italy and um, in 2016, PBS did a special called The Italian Americans. It was a two-night special. I think it was like four hours long. They actually did a, a segment on my maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna, and wow. she was known as the woman who knew things. So her psychic abilities were actually discussed on this program. And I, I remember when it was airing, you know, like I'm calling my cousins, you know, we're all calling and texting. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're showing all these pictures of our family. And so that that section of the family embraced it, talked about it openly because they looked at it as a gift from God, you know, yeah. and uh, which which it is, um, I, I believe. And they also got it outed on the TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was out in the open there. And, yeah. And, Funny thing is, you know, after my dad got out of the Navy, uh, it was so funny uh, the way they told told the. Uh, I remember sitting there and, I was, and they were telling me how they met. And dad said, So here I am, you know, this young buck sailor thinking I'm all full of myself. And I go to this dance, I go to this dance. And he goes, And I see this foxy dame, you know, so he's talking about my mom. Well, my mother was a fashion designer and illustrator. And she worked at this department store called Kresge's. And she was in the um, illustration and the advertising and the art department. And mm-hmm. so she used to dress to the nun. Mom said, yeah, I got, you know, I got the employee discount. So dad yeah. thought this sexy dame was like 30 years old. She was only 20. Okay. But, but <laughs> she dressed and she carried herself real elegantly. And she was a great dancer. And they were both, my parents were ballroom dancers. That is not something I inherited. Okay. Two left feet yeah. here, you know, terrible. Um, but the thing is, they had this immediate connection. And after um, a few meetings, a few, few dates, um, my mother said, well, I got to tell you something. And my dad's like, oh, my God, yeah. I, 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 I do that, too. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so so what we have seen, we meaning people who study uh, mediumship phenomenon, is that this is a genetic trait. And it's there's two types of genetic traits. There's dominant, like in my family, people with brown hair and uh, brown or, or hazel eyes. That's dominant. Mm-hmm. A recessive trait would be like somebody in my family with blue eyes, you know, because it would skip a couple generations. So when you have two parents with the same, that carry that same recessive trait, then the likelihood one of their children possessing that trait increases. So. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I'm okay. Now I'm going a little sideways. Why is it a recessive trait? I mean, the need to know beyond our five san- senses has to have kept the human being alive this long, you know, the human nature on the earth this long to have a sense. Um, okay, so I'm going to go all over the place because I'm going to bring you into your book. And I, and yeah, no, that, I didn't want to come in this quick because I want to hear about the psychic lawyer part. Too. <laughs> but, <laughs> so um, you talk about the gut instinct, and I don't think human beings, you know, the, the human species could have survived without gut instinct, without woman's intuition. Right. And, and you bring that into your book of um, the, that we all have it, really. Well, we do. And, and let me go to the first question that you asked, which was, mm-hmm. why is it a recessive trait? First off, everyone is capable of a psychic or mediumistic experience. Psychic ability is when you tune into a person, place, or thing, and that's when you can 
get like a health reading on somebody or discern events from their past or possibly what you and I would call the future. Mediumistic ability is tuning into the higher, the afterlife frequency of spirits. Mm -hmm. And everybody can do this to varying degrees. And in my book, The Afterlife Frequency, I explain the physiological reasons why people are capable of that. But we're all good at different things. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are wonderful athletes. Some people are incredible musicians. Some are incredible mathematicians. I mean, everybody is good at something else. And some people are simply more adept or more developed in these areas. But And so that's what I do with the afterlife frequency is I show people how to recognize the signs from spirits and to get the most out of the experience. What I'm not trying to do is turn people into mediums because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my colleagues are like, be your own medium. I'll turn you into a medium. And all it does is is really frustrating for people who simply don't have that that ability Mm -hmm. Um, instead of trying to like like for example um, Barb you and I could probably go out on a tennis court and pop some balls around but are you going to suddenly turn into Venus Williams and am I going to turn into you know Jehovah you know it's not going to happen in my mind it will we can have have the experience okay limited experience but we're not going to to be able to do that and so Mm -hmm. that's why i decided to write this book is to to give people the opportunity to benefit from these abilities and and um also to explain how the different forms of spirit communication which have traditionally been put into separate categories like mm-hmm. mediumship, what you and I do, communicating with spirits. Then mm-hmm. there's visitations, people who are not necessarily mediums. Right. Maybe a loved one will come in a dream or they'll see them out of the corner of their eye or they will, will you know, feel their presence around. Then there's deathbed visions. Deathbed mm-hmm. visions, fascinating. It's been documented for centuries. And a deathbed visions when somebody is dying and they start talking to loved ones who've passed. And what happens is people around them oftentimes see these spirits as well. Then, of course, there's near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. And so all of these phenomena have been put into separate categories. I beg to differ. They all have a similarity running through all of them, and they're all based on the same principles of frequency alignment and energy transfer. And so that's another one of the the things that I bring out in my new book, The Afterlife Frequency. And this is available. And as you said, it's not, um, you're not expecting, none of us are expecting, you know, to be very, very talented at something, but we, it's like singing. We can all sing, but some well, of us are terrible. Good, yeah, we can all sing. <laughs> and yeah. some are talented, <laughs> but even the terrible people will sing. So, so everybody is available to tune in or gets a visitation or gets a sign. And in your book, you show how to look, how to be receptive to this. I, I do. And, and um, if, you, if you'll indulge me, um, I was trying I'm to figure indul- out. I'm indulging you. Go for it. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to explain this to people who aren't mediums. Mm-hmm. And I was racking my brain 
And I love to write. I've been writing my whole life. And, you know, now this is my third book, but, I, you know, I'm a columnist for Best Holistic Life magazine. And I've been mm-hmm. writing short stories and, and poems and everything. Writer's block. Bam. Hit me in the head like a sledgehammer. I, you know, Barb, I, I just couldn't make any headway on this at all. And I thought, okay, that's it. I got to get away from it because you can't force yourself to be creative. You know, you can't, you know, throw um, uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci into a room and go create, you know, or, or you yeah. know, it, it, it hits you when it hits you. So I thought I'd go for a walk on the beach. I live near the ocean uh, and I got up and I started walking towards the beach. And all of a sudden I get this tingly sensation. Now, tingly sensations, it's like, oh, okay. I know that that's spirit communication, spirit contact. That's why people think when they go into a place that's quote unquote haunted or they Mm -hmm. get the, they think that it's scary because it's the same physiological response. It's an electromagnetic response of your uh, nervous system, which operates on electrical impulses. When a spirit's interfacing with you, you get a response, you know, which is normally. I have to. I have to jump in here because you get that tingly, but I get a different feeling. You know, it's just uh, like um, somebody just entered my area, you know, but it's no tingles, you know. (laughs) So I just wanted to put that out for people. And that's the difference is, is we receive the the energy the same way, how we manifest it. Right. How we feel it. Yeah. And instead of going to the ocean, I decided to go for a walk along this bike path, which is near my house. This is about 11 in the morning. So I'm walking on the bike path and I see these two objects shining in the light. And I, and I look at them and it's a nickel and a penny. And I hear my mom's voice saying, if they're not heads up, don't touch them. And I started <laughs> laughing because you know, the Italian yeah. side of the family has a superstition for every occasion. Right. <laughs> I'm Irish. We do too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I hear my dad's voice say in my head, it's money. Grab it. And I'm laughing, you know. So I pick up this nickel and this penny and I'm looking at it. And I go, oh, six cents. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, my God, six cents. Mm-hmm. And then the chills and tingles started overwhelming me. And, my, and then in my mind's eye, I saw my father when he looked like he was probably like in his 30s. And I saw him standing in the ocean up to his waist, holding this blue canvas raft. And dad was a Navy SEAL. He was a scuba diver. He was a swimming instructor at the Y. And I remember that raft. And I'm like, what is he telling me? And then it hit me, raft recognize, accept, feel, trust. That was it. And so I I immediately ran back to the house and turned on my computer. The words just flew out of me. And I knew what my parents were trying to tell me. They, They were telling me to develop a technique to help people recognize the signs from spirits. Step two, accept that contact is real. Step three, Feel it without fear and feel it without blocking it. Feel first, think later. This is where people go wrong. They start overanalyzing, oh, it's an hallucination, a coincidence, and that's where they, you know, they lose it. But once you go from the F, um, then you go to T, trust. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And so that was a pivotal point for me in in writing this book and also in the teaching modality of helping people that everyone, whether or not you know, you're a medium or let's say you have a visitation in a dream, so you recognize that it was real, you accept 
um, accept the experience, you feel it, you trust it. This can also be applied to interpreting a near-death experience, to making sense of deathbed visions. And so that, once again, shows the commonality between um, the different forms of interdimensional communication, contact with spirits, and how to make the, the most sense out of it and to get the, the, the most benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And at, I also find, um, I don't want to mess up your raft thing, but I also want to add another letter there, but I don't know what letter, um, of the acknowledgement to the spirit. Because for some reason, that acknowledgement is, if that's not there, they'll kind of quit sending them to you. Well, uh, when they'll, you, yeah, but see, when you accept it as real, you're already doing that. And oh, so, okay. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. boom, 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 you know, and, you know, yeah. because, all right, the spirit's coming through, let's accept. This has to become second nature to where, mm-hmm. you know, and you probably had this when you're doing a reading for somebody and you'll present something and then they pause, pause, and they overthink, 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 you know, okay. and they start tearing the, the message apart and, um, uh, and, right. and instead of, of going with it. And um, it was like, I was doing a reading <laughs> last week and this woman's father came through and all of a sudden I see a white Fender Stratocaster guitar, okay? Mm-hmm. And I used to play guitar, so I knew what it was, except it was upside down and strung upside down. And I'm like, that's wait odd. a second. Yeah. That's someone left-handed had to be playing that, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I saw Jimi Hendrix in my mind's eye. So I go, is your dad like Jimi Hendrix? And she goes, well, he liked music. And I go, well, his name was James Mason Hendricks. And that th- just came out of me. And I, I had forgotten. I, I don't even know if I ever knew that yeah, Jimmy Hendricks' yeah. name was James Mason Hendricks. Okay. So the woman says, well, my dad's name was James Mason. But I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I said, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, well, well uh, then she goes, well, wait a second. Why would you even say those names? I go, right. Out of all the names in existence, that's what I pull out. I said, you see, they have to get me to that concept. Mm-hmm. And so what spirits do, they're emitting an energetic impulse. It goes into my brain and gets converted into recognizable concepts based on my memories, feelings, and cultural associations. Look, I've been a fan of guitar music my whole life. I know mm-hmm. that Jimi Hendrix played that type of guitar upside down. Somehow or other, they got to that memory, hit it, and then they yanked out his full name, which happened to be the client's father's name. And then she then she got on board. She started seeing that, you know, how the connections happen. And yeah, so yeah. these are the type of things that people need to understand. We all wish that spirit communication was texting and instant messaging and spelled out right for us. But a lot of times it's metaphor and each piece of information is like the piece of a puzzle and we need to get all those pieces and then put it together. And what happens when you get the piece and it doesn't fit? You know, yeah. Well, yeah, go on um, with that. don't force it. Don't stretch to make it fit. Um, it's spirits are never wrong. The inaccuracies come on our end. Mm-hmm. It, are we interpreting interpretation correctly? Yeah. You know, if, if I if I can, one of my favorite stories. I, I love ancient history, and in ancient Greece, um, 
it's in ruins now, but it's called Delphi. My Greek friends say it's Delphi, okay? But <laughs> it was the spiritual epicenter of the ancient world. And uh, Delphi was the, the temple and the, the center of worship for the god Apollo, the god of the sun, who was also the god of prophecy. And the, the oracle of Apollo, it was mainly women, although there were some men there, and uh, the priestesses, and for 17 centuries, people would come to Delphi. And we're talking, you know, not just regular everyday people. We're talking the likes of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, mm -hmm. Cleopatra, Nero. I mean, you could go on and on and on through, you know, the who's who of the ancient world. And so in the, let me see, it was in the... Um, 5th century, no, 6th century BC, the 500s, um, the Persians, aka the Iranians, were expanding their empire, and they're expanding it to the country, toward the country, what is now known as Turkey. And the king of the Lydian Empire in Turkey, his name was Croesus, and Croesus went to consult with the Oracle of Apollo. And so the priestess would sit on this tripod over a geothermal vent and there'd be mist. And, and I'm sure the Greeks had the lighting and everything all worked out to make it all very <laughs> mystical. And he asked, what do I do about the Persians? And the response was, if you attack the Persians, you will destroy a mighty empire. So Croesus meant that, interpreted that to mean I need to attack the Persians. So he got together his allies and they launched an attack on the Persians, who annihilated his army. Um, it's it's not sure if they took him prisoner or executed him, but he disappears from um, history right after that. They completely occupied what is now known as Turkey. Now people can say, oh well, you know that was totally wrong. Was it? He did destroy by attacking the Persians. He destroyed a great empire his own okay so that's why when when the piece doesn't fit mm -hmm. it, you got to be careful about jumping to conclusions now there's a sequel to that story if if, if i may um mm -hmm. please okay a couple generations later well the iranians didn't stop with turkey you know it's amazing after 2500 years you know they're still you know, <laughs> yeah. but, and the government, the habit now. government, not the people. Okay, the, pe <laughs> yeah. the Iranian people are awesome. They're government. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so the Persian Empire um, um, conquers an area what is now Bulgaria, and now they're marching on Greece. And you know, in history, and you know, we've all had to study the Persian Wars and the Battle of Marathon and all that. And the Persians really had it out for Athens because they looked at the Athenians as the agitators. Well, the Athenians, Pericles, okay, they went to the Oracle of Delphi and they asked, what do we do about the Persians? And the response was, Athens will be saved behind wooden walls. And, or it's like, Athens will be saved, Athens will be victorious behind wooden walls. Well, the strange thing is the city of Athens had no wooden walls. But Pericles and his advisors, they immediately evacuated the entire city to the island of Salamis. The Persians broke through the Greek line, burned Athens to the ground, but it was a hollow victory because it was an empty city. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Persian fleet got wind that the Athenians were on Salamis. So they sent this massive fleet 
um, of conscripted Phoenicians and Egyptians and, and basically slaves. And they had these large, powerful ships. Well, the, the, Greek, uh, the Greeks, the Athenians had a darn good navy themselves, smaller, much smaller. And the Greek admiral lured the Persians into a narrow channel and their ships started colliding with each other and running aground. And basically there was this massive shipwreck. Then the Greeks started using catapults and started shooting flaming projectiles. They destroyed the Persian fleet. Wow. The ships were made out of wood. Athens was victorious from behind wooden walls. So we can see, and this is not myth or, or some airy-fairy stuff. This was documented between Croesus and Pericles. That's just two of the interpretations there. Um, this to me is fascinating. It's also a very good lesson in be extremely careful how you interpret messages. Right. Be careful right. about jumping to conclusions. But um, I appreciate you, Barb, letting me let me explain well, that. Yeah, it's fascinating. But it also you speak about it in your book, and it you know not as in depth or with the history in the unfolding. And I found that as a medium and a psychic, the unfolding is so important, and so many people don't give it the time to do that. No, they don't. Oh, and for the benefit of the listeners, the stories I just told are not in my book. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, th- this is all in. No, in, I'm hearing in, it the first yeah, time too. In, yeah. Uh, the the <laughs> book I'm work I'm I'm thinking about writing next. Yeah. But the, the thing is, um, when when I give an interview, and Barb is really good about this, we'll talk about the concepts, but I don't give away the stories that illustrate mm-hmm. them. Because here's the thing: when you start hearing quantum physics and science, and it's right. like, you know, it's like. I have to warn you, do not expect a dry and boring read because that is not how I write. I want people to be engaged. I want to educate. I want to entertain. And I want to inspire because I suffered through enough boring books in law school and <laughs> yeah. practice of law. And I promise I will not inflict that upon you. <laughs> I, and I have to jump in on this. I've read your book and it was a fascinating read. It really, you know, I went through it. I underlined things. I don't normally do that. <laughs> and I am a psychic in a medium. And I learned things in that book that um, I could not really, you know, I knew them, but I couldn't explain them. So, you know, um, I, I really, I, it's a fascinating book. I, I hope everybody buys it because they will not only understand the underline of what's going on here, but be entertained by not only the book, but the stories in the book and, and what, what we're able to do with this talent. Or in some cases, this uh, recognition, as you call it. But um, now I want to, and I hope we can do this, we're a little early, take a break before we get into it. Because when we come back, I want to go into what I call the drop and the ocean. You're the drop and the ocean. And that's the only way I can explain it. But you've been able to explain it so well in your book. And I want you to come in and talk about that. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? 
Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, and we're back with Mark Anthony talking about his new book, The Afterlife Frequency. And um, I promised to come back to talk about the drop in the ocean, and I'm going to break that promise. (laughs) I want to first go to um, Mark's explanation of the electromagnetic soul. And and to get into that, now I have to say that um, the whole time I've I've heard about lightworkers, and I've heard about lightworkers as um, energy workers, and I kind of thought lightworkers were... We're the good guys. <laughs> we have the white hat on. <laughs> I honestly did not understand it past that. But Mark in his book has explained that. And I hope you'll uh, come in and give us that explanation so other people can understand it. Well, um, the thing about being a light worker is, you know, in, in the era that we're living in, there's all sorts of craziness going on. There's all these bizarre and, in, pardon me, idiotic conspiracy theories circulating around. And mm-hmm. then there's people who say, I'm a shaman and I'm receiving messages that we must go and form an insurrection and kill and burn. And OK, that's not a light worker. That is somebody that's indulging in their own ego. And ego is about mm-hmm. edging God out. And earlier when I saw it, the raft technique, how to recognize, accept, feel, and trust messages from spirits. Well, how do you know? How do you trust the message from the mm-hmm. spirit? Here's how. Messages from spirit, from spirits, from the collective consciousness, from the afterlife frequency 
are about love, healing, inner peace, and resolution. Anything that you get that incites you to commit anger, bigotry, hatred, and violence has nothing to do with spirit contact. That has to do with your own ego, which is edging God out. And therein lies the difference. And to be a light worker, the work that you do is about love, healing, inner peace, and resolution. Now, it's easy to go around and, you know, fling those buzzwords out. It's a lot harder to practice. It comes Mm -hmm. down to essentially the golden rule, which exists in every major religion. There is a treat people the way you want to be treated. I like the Buddhists. They say, don't do to people what you don't want want done to you. It's the same thing. I mean, you don't want people to throw rocks at you, so don't throw rocks at people. Mm -hmm. And and so that is what it means to be a light worker. The second part of your question is, what is the electromagnetic soul? I've spent my life studying spirituality, studying different belief systems that, that you know, honor the divine power that we refer to as God. And I've been studying quantum physics in the human brain. As an attorney, I, I specialized in head injury litigation. So I had to study the human brain. And when I started working with my mediumship, I saw it all tied together. The term electromagnetic soul is a 21st century term to describe what we really are. In matters of faith, we call it soul or spirit in matters in in the realms of psychology and science, we refer to in, in neuroscience as consciousness. But what we really are is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy because our brain, our body operates on electrical impulses. Neuroscience is the study of the human brain and neuroscientists theorize that consciousness is formed by chemical reactions and electrical impulses in our brain, but they're completely at a loss to explain this. We know from faith that people of faith believe that the soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then leaves the body at physical death. We know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics, energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And and so in in the afterlife frequency, I go into much greater detail uh, with, with, with a lot of fun stories about how how we got um, to an understanding of these concepts and how I developed the term, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul. And so when we die, think of the EMS, your electromagnetic soul Mm -hmm. as a drop of water. And when we die, that drop of water plunges into the eternal sea of souls that I call the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so that's why during spirit communication, more than one person will come through. It's because spirits are never alone. As pure energy, they're energetically linked to other spirits that are linked to other spirits that are linked to other spirits. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of times they're going to bring through things that far exceeded the scope of what they knew in this world. That's also why they'll bring forth a lot of medical information, healing information. These are gifts. These are gifts from God. Healing is a gift from God. 
Okay. So people, it's funny when I hear uh, religious, uh, religious fanatics go, oh, it's just demons in person. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, first off, that, that stuff doesn't exist. <laughs> Secondly, why would a demon come through and warn you about a cancerous condition that you have and how to treat mm-hmm. it? Okay. Yeah. Secondly, why would a demon want you to feel filled with love, healing, inner peace, and resolution? Mm-hmm. It kind of shoots their own argument right in the, their their right. foot, and in uh, and, and um, the thing is, the collective consciousness, which is is the vast intelligence network of the other side, this is what we're all energetically linked to. And spirits are always communicating with us. God is always communicating with us. The question is whether we are listening. Mm-hmm. Now, you said two of the receptors, physical receptors, um, the pituitary and the solar the, plexus. The pineal gland and the solar plexus. Yeah. Gland. I'm, I apologize. We have two, two receptor areas in our body. Um, for people who are listening or parents, mm-hmm. how many times do you get a sick feeling in your stomach? You're thinking about one of your children. You get a sick feeling in your stomach that, oh, my God, something's wrong. Okay, let's broaden this to first responders, you know, uh, military and first responders, gut instinct. The reason we feel this in our gut is because our solar plexus, which is at the bottom of the rib cage, uh, the diaphragm, near the diaphragm and pit of the stomach, is the second most complex bundle of nerves outside of the cerebral cortex in the body. And there are doctors who refer to it as the second brain. Well, because our nervous system operates on electrical impulses, we pick up electromagnetic impulses. So that's why we get feelings. And so for for people who have a psychic or mediumistic experience, this is where you receive emotions physical sensations. The second psychic receptor area is the center of your forehead for our yoga friends, the third eye chakra. Uh, Call that for very good reason because about four inches behind the center of your forehead is the pineal gland. Very mysterious gland being studied by scientists all over the world, a little bit bigger than a grain of rice, somewhere between a grain of rice and maybe a lima bean yet it controls our ability to perceive light. I think not just from a visual standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, it controls our brainwave frequencies, which enables our electromagnetic soul to tune into the afterlife frequency, higher vibration there. And this is where we we receive the the visual, the visions, the Mm -hmm. auditory information, the data. So, so in the afterlife frequency, I go into much more elaborate detail to explain the, these receptors and also how to work with them so that you get the most benefit out of when you, you pick up on, on uh, contact from spirits. I have to admit, that's where I took the light worker. <laughs> that's where I came in with, oh, that's a light worker. Perceiving the light, perceiving the information, that's the light worker. Yeah, that's a very good point, Barb. I'm glad that you brought that up. I mean, look at, name one religion that doesn't refer to God in terms of light. Mm -hmm. There isn't one. Right. Well, that I know of, yeah. yeah, There there isn't one. Um, Near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
one of which you had, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, definitely had that. And then the other NDEers that I know mm-hmm. um, talk about going into the light. People yeah. who do intense meditations. Why do you think the word enlightenment mm-hmm. uh, was developed over the centuries? It's because enlightenment is suddenly reaching an understanding of something. Now, when we think of the Enlightenment in the historical sense, you think of, you know, Sir Isaac Newton and and, uh, scientific studies and all that, because that was an era when science exploded and it was an Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. But from the spiritual standpoint, it goes back thousands of years to, you know, to Buddha, to Christ, to Krishna. and, And it's people who have this understanding, this connection with uh, with the divine, and so um, these are all the type of things that that this isn't a a um, elitist or unique club. This is something that we're all part of, and that's what I wanted to to explain to people is, and, and that's why I wrote the the afterlife frequency mm-hmm. that they can tune in. Their gut instinct is really true. They can tune in. You know, talk to any any um, first responder. I mean, my dad was a Navy SEAL. It was all about, you know, gut instinct and mm-hmm. about your situational awareness, except I take that further into um, the book. I, I refer to it as spiritual situational awareness, which um, helps teach you understand, you know, not just what's going on around you in the physical, but also what's happening around you energetically, spiritually. And these are all very important things for people to understand, you know, if you're, you're interested in, in further exploring your spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, and people say, well, you know, this is against God. No, it isn't. This is yeah. this understanding. Um, I have no problem with religions because if you think about it, all the religions talk about these things in their vernacular. It's just that now we're in the 21st century and I believe it's important to to explain this in 21st century terms based mm-hmm. on modern techno- um, our understanding of modern technology. And I think we are, I think many of us are ready to put these together, to say, well, this is real and this is scientific. There's scientific basis for this. Um, in the near death, um, there's quite a bit going on right now about the NDAs. And I had never heard of a shared NDA, which I found fascinating in your book. That, um, Well, you go ahead. I don't want to blow your story. Yeah, the, the shared <laughs> near-death experience, the um, SDEs, um, this is uh, my, my uh, friend and colleague, Dr. Jeffrey Long, who is mm-hmm. – founder and head of Enderf, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. He refers to SD's shared death experiences as the new frontier in, in uh, afterlife research. And what happens with that, and, and uh, the book explains it in a lot more depth because we don't have the time for me to, to explain it, but there are times when someone who has a near-death experience there could be somebody who is with them who is also an imminent threat or, or a possibility of dying, and they both have a very similar experience, and when they come back, they tell about it. Mm-hmm. Then there are cases where somebody is dying, and many of us, myself included, have been in these situations where you're around the deathbed of somebody who's dying and they have a deathbed vision where they that person starts saying, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, loved ones of theirs who died. And then 
family members, friends, hospice workers, people mm-hmm. in close proximity, all of a sudden they start to see them too. Mm-hmm. And uh, this gets into, and people actually, even those who are not in imminent fear or, or danger of dying, experience some of the, uh, of what the um, person transitioning experiences. They may engage in a life review of that person. They may see the spirits coming to greet them. And there's a whole number of, of things. And, and these, these are all part of the phenomenon that I address in the afterlife uh, frequency. Because people need to understand this. I mean, at, you know, I've been called to the bedside of many people who are dying. And because families, you know, they want me there you know, to, to help um, to them. To help cross, Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, the person who's transitioning, you know, it, they, they find it comforting as well. And let me tell you, it's, it's a great honor and um, a great responsibility. But it's important for us to know that physical death is not the end. This isn't wishful thinking. This isn't hocus pocus. This isn't some fairy tale. And I know the naysayers and the, the cynics, uh, you know, want to you know, tear things down. And, you know, that's they have a, their, their own right to free speech. I mean, everyone has a right to to their opinions. But the more we study this mm-hmm. and it, these things have been documented for thousands of years. And now we have the technology and we have applied the scientific method to studying these phenomenon. The conclusion is that consciousness the electromagnetic soul, who and what you are, survives physical death. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the people who don't hear from the person that their their loved one that has gone on? Some people will say, "I never get any messages. Why don't I get any?" And they're they're heartbroken. Often they're heartbroken that they don't get anything, and other people do get messages. Yeah, that's always very, very difficult. A lot of the people, without meaning to, mm. block the contact. I want that contact. Why do they come to me? Right. And, and I'm not being facetious. Let's face it. When somebody you love dies, you want to hear from them. Many times, people who are so immersed in the negative emotions of pain, of grief, of guilt, and they, they're, they're flooding the energetic field with this angst and desire without intending to, they're blocking the contact. And so that's mm-hmm. another one of the areas that I address about how to lower that block. And the thing is, a spirit's going to get a message through to you one way or another, and you have to be open to it. Also, spirit communication, you can't just, I want this. Like I've had readings with some people and I when I do a reading, I spend about 10 minutes at the beginning doing uh, an orientation so they understand how spirits work with me. But there's some people that come in and do it that are so overly analytical that that mm-hmm. mindset is blocking things. Then there's people who don't listen, don't pay attention, can't connect the dots. Um, and, you know, you, you, you can't fix that. And, you know, and uh, so these type of things can create a block to the spirit contact. I'd say 95, 96 percent of the time, that's not the problem. Uh, and you probably run into that, too, uh, Barb. There's just some people who they just don't get it. 
you know, they can't they have it. Yeah, yeah they, they can't expect have everything it. to be like that movie Ghost, where all of a sudden Patrick Swayze appears and <laughs> I will be by Demi and oh, you know, and all yeah. that. And spirit communication can be very subtle. It can be very mm-hmm. metaphorical. It can be extremely symbolic. Um, you know, there. I mean, look, I, I was doing a reading for somebody, and people say, "Well, you're cold reading." So I'm doing a reading, and it was a small group. And there's a woman in the group. It's what I call a light circle. When I'm on tour, I do a lot of light circles, 10 people or less. That way, everybody is guaranteed a reading. And her father's spirit came through. And all of a sudden, I kept seeing the dwarf grumpy. I go, grumpy? <laughs> yeah. I see grumpy. And she goes, oh, my God. And I go, what? She said, I collect grumpies. I'm like, is that a thing? She goes, yeah. She goes, I have this whole collection of grumpies. I don't know why, but I just like the dwarf grumpy. And everybody in the room's like, you know, and I'm like, okay, so I'm cold reading. Really, I'm going to fling out the dwarf grumpy. And she just happens to have a collection of grumpies. And someone goes, well, so what? And it's like, so what? Um, Here's what's going on there. The spirit of her father is letting her know that he is around her aware of what is going on in her life Mm -hmm. and that he knows that she collects the figurine grumpy. That's what I call an objectively verifiable fact. And so when I explained the person said, so what they're like, Oh, I didn't think that, you know, and it's like, (laughs) and well, what it is for a lot of people, spirit communication is not in the realm of experience. You Mm -hmm. and I do this, Barb. We know that it can be subtle. We know that it can take time after the reading for this to make sense. The unfolding, as you call it. The unfolding. Yeah. 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 I love that, actually. Yeah, (laughs) it it unfolded, you know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Is very fortunately for the Athenians. You know? I know on their way home, they realize, oh, yeah, they do have a pet named, you know, Oscar. And we were talking about Oscar. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, geez, you know, but I have to bring it back because there's something I want to bring up with people who have just lost somebody. And that grief around them is so thick and so dense and they're so heartbroken you know, that, that, that it's very, very hard for the spirit to get through that grief. And I always tell them to listen to people around them, that that grief, as time goes on, will dissipate, will ease up. But right now, listen to people around them, and they're weird people. Like, you'll be in the grocery store, and the cashier will say, oh, my God, I had a dream about your husband. And he said he's great. He, he he has new shoes or something, something crazy. And the people go home and they're so upset because why is the grocery clerk, you know, getting a visitation and they're not? And what it is, is that your husband or that spirit knew that they could get through to that person and that person would tell you. Yeah, that person's not blocking it in here. Exactly. She, the grief isn't there. Yeah. Receptive and open. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, um, I, I want to let everyone know that um, if you um, want to find out more about my events, please go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. Mm-hmm. Also, I have a spirit communication event online through Bright Life. And if you go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com, and you click on the calendar of events, it'll bring up the calendar. And uh, Bright Live is hosting this event. And the thing is, 
we can do this on it's a, it's going to be a big zoom room and um we can do this online because spirits the electromagnetic soul guess what electromagnetic energy which light is moves at the speed of light spirits move at the same speed as a phone call as the speed of light at the as radio waves which the show's being transmitted over and so that's why we can do readings on the phone and for um an event like the Bright Live event. And that's going to be Saturday, October 2nd at mm-hmm. 10 p.m. Eastern, which is 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain, <laughs> and 7 p.m. Pacific. And you can go to brightlive.com or my website, afterlifefrequency.com. Also, my book is on sale now, even though it comes out October 12th in paperback. It comes out mm-hmm. audiobook October 5th. But you can go to my website or to amazon.com for the afterlife frequency. Um, I, I, I've spent years doing the research, and uh, it's taken me six years to, to write this book. And... Um, I'm doing this because people need to understand that someone that you have loved so much did not disintegrate into nothingness, but that they have transferred instead to another frequency and that we can and do communicate with that frequency. Mm -hmm. And be open and tell me your raft again. Be open, recognize. Recognize, accept, feel, and trust. Mm-hmm. So recognize those um, the signs, those signs coming through. Yeah, accept it as real, feel it without fear, and, and then trust the message. And that's, that's one of the, the things that, that I'm teaching in, in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it, it helps people cope with survivor's guilt, post-traumatic stress disorder, right. um, you know, losing a loved one, particularly for those of you who are parents who've lost a child, yeah. nothing is more yeah. crushing. And parents, I think it's normal and natural for parents to have survivor's guilt. Why didn't I die and not my child? Why couldn't I protect my child? Why couldn't I protect yeah. my child? Why couldn't I prevent this? And mm-hmm. That is a, a terrible burden for anyone to carry. And so um, that, that's one of the, the lessons that, that I address in the afterlife frequency. You also have a chapter in there, There's No Place Like Hell. We can't get into it because we are at the end of the show. But you even address that as well. So I wanted everybody to know that. Um, I am so glad you've been on. We, we have so much information I still want to get to. I wanted to get to what was that as a lawyer walking in as a psychic, and now I can't. (laughs) But anyway, um, you can get hold of Mark, and he just went through his website. And and the um, your your uh, thing coming up, is that limited to 10 people like your light circles, or is it open? You know, the Bright Live event. um, No, the light circles are are an in-person thing. Um, okay. Bright Live event. Uh, Bright Live is an organization, and and they asked me if I would do this. And um, it's like I said, it's going to be October second at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And open to everyone. 
Yeah, brightlive.com or go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com. And, um, you know, space is limited uh, because, you know, we're not letting the entire world in because right. that way I need to be able to get to as many people as possible. So get it on it and sign up and get ready. Okay, I'd like to thank you very much for being on my show. I've really enjoyed it. If anybody needs to get hold of me or would like to make an appointment, please just go to my website, aviewthroughtheveil.com, or you can email me, aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Thank you, Mark. I loved it. God bless. You too. And have a great uh, launch on your new book. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.